Hey, what's going on, everybody? I hope everybody's doing well. I hope everybody's enjoying their weekend and enjoying this heat, the summer heat. It's a little toasty outside. But as always, you know, continue to hydrate. I hope everyone's being safe. We all know the COVID-19. We all know that we got to do to protect ourselves and others. The case are continuing to go up um, in certain places, but we got to continue to practice the distance in the hand, continue to sanitize, and continue to be aware of your surroundings. Um, for those who are new, I want to say welcome to Rebuilding Community Trust. Um, this site, for those who all don't know, is for advocacy and also for um, being able to educate those on community relations, community matters concerning uh, law enforcement, concerning laws in general, um, to advocate and empower those to share the information and to research for themselves what's going on in their communities and have uh, some increased awareness. Um, that's, that's the whole point of this uh, channel, whole point of this, this organization, and um, we're, we're continuing to advocate for those who don't know and, and hopefully help someone in the that's lost in the criminal justice system for those who's been tuning in I, again i always appreciate i'm always grateful for you to tune in and continue to spread this information all i ask as I always say please share please pass information to someone who doesn't who doesn't know those who need it doesn't matter what race it is um at this point we gotta educate ourselves um those who are who are not black Educate yourselves on the matters at hand. Educate uh, yourselves on what it is like to deal, be an African American in this country, or a Hispanic American, or Native American, or whatever other minorities in this country. Educate ourselves on um, the causes and the struggles that minorities face as a whole, not just African Americans, but everybody. But um, as always, thank you. Please tune in. Please share. Um, a lot of projects still coming up. I got a lot of uh, opportunities on, on my business page, on, on my page, Rebuilding Community Trust. You're going to see a business section. We have a lot of different vendors and partnerships that I've been doing. Uh, we have the Change, uh, Make Change Ministry. We have the Color Lives Ministry Scholarship uh, Initiative. Please take a look. Please support. Um, this is to help uh, minorities go to college. Um, please support that. Take a look at it. If you want information, please email me. Uh, please leave a comment below and I will gladly get you information if you want to tune in and support this cause. We're, we're trying to make a difference, not only for just African-Americans and what's going on right now, but also we're trying to support uh, and push Christ's agenda, Christ's initiative that color matters, love, uh, every Christ matters in every situation. So again, if you're interested, please let me know. Um, this this uh, video is going to be a little different. I'm going to do a teaching. I'm going to try to do some teachings for the next couple of videos. I want to really drive home some of the stuff that is relevant to um, communities, minority and otherwise, more so minority, because a lot of people don't understand this stuff and the Constitution wasn't designed for minorities, especially particularly African-Americans. So um, I want to teach this and take some time to drive, just get some key points and and, and talk about a few things when it comes to uh, learning the, the Constitution and learning the difference between state government and, and federal government and learn and also ties in how important it is to vote for your for your different people, because this some of this stuff is influenced by um, how state government uh, responds and also the federal, federal government responds to certain issues, certain things that we deal with each day. So I'm going to talk about the exclusionary rule. I'm going to talk about um, Matt versus Ohio, one of the landmark cases, also Miranda versus uh, Arizona. And we have a few others that we I'm going to mention. I'm going to post this stuff on the page. Please check it out. And please share again. I'm just going to try to highlight some key points and to help, you know, drive some points home. I may break it up into two part series so we can um, really get this understanding 
and, uh, and, uh, and get this teaching because it's important to know what you need to know. So when it comes happens to you, you'll be able to, to, uh, to know what's going on and also challenge this, this stuff as well. Um, real quick, I want to say a couple of things before we start. Uh, just want to say a prayer for those uh, I don't I, I haven't have her um, name off the top of my head right now. I know in the recent weeks past, it was uh, she was eight years old. She got uh, shot and killed um, due to a drive by or whatnot. I don't have her name. Um, I'm posted link on the page. I'm going to have um, uh, some couple of clips. So if you want to, you know, I'm sure everyone knows about what happened, and I'm, I'm looking at some updates. And I'm going to post it. I'm not going to uh, go into it today. Um, the full full spill of the story because due to the teaching and I, I don't want to make the video too long but I just want to say a prayer to the families I know there's other situations where uh, younger children were injured or killed uh, out there uh, during this crime um, it's crimes happening out here in the different parts of the, of the United States and all I just want to say is is that we got to be mindful of um, what we're doing we, we defeat the cause of what we're trying to do if we out here taking our own lives um, it's an interesting book that I saw. I did some research. Um, might want to talk about black on black crime because I know it's a coin term. When we think about, you know, a lot of the stuff I get through um, when I have discussions with different people, they say why we, we got to clean ourselves up as far as killing each other. Um, it's it's a little, and I agree. We do need to do some uh, do some damage control in our own communities and make sure that we're not killing each other. But it's a lot lot deeper than that, and it's a lot deeper when it comes to the coin term black on black crime and there's a lot of statistical data that needs to be brought about to ensure that it's not blacks killing blacks. It's also same with, with you know, white killing whites or it's first vice versa, black killing whites or whites killing blacks. We look at the numbers and we see how many numbers uh, compared to just saying black on black. Although we do do the, do the things that we do in our own communities, it's not as, as, as uh, coined as so bad off as people make it seem. And we gotta understand the, the history and the uh, um, the background on why this 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 uh this term black on black was coined, and and the cause of being used against us in a sense. Uh, venting black on black violence, discourse, space, and representation, so a space, place, and society. Um, I'll post a link on the page as well, so you can take a look and see the author if you want to read it. It's a good read, and it may help you understand the terms better because again, it's about education. Whether you're not black or you are black, it's an educational thing. Once you learn, then you start to understand the process. Then you won't you won't talk ignorant. You won't sit there and, and say stuff that you shouldn't say. Second thing I want to say is um, I've experienced a lot of indirect racism, indirect comments, and it's disheartening to say, especially in a leadership position. If you're you know if you're a boss or a supervisor of some sort. You got to be really careful with the with the terms that you come out your mouth. And again, it's education. It's a situation where someone senior, um, a supervisor, or or leader says some indirect comments, some ignorant comments, and and this person is very high up on the totem pole. So when the comments were said, and and I was and I was asked a question, I addressed the question head on and let him know that you need to educate yourself. You gotta understand the term thug, right? Thug is a colloquialism, it's an axiom. It's a, it's a term where it, it, it applies to a demographic group of individuals. President Trump said it, and you know what I'm saying, thugs, and, and you know, we, we, we look at, we think thug, if you define what the term is, this is why you gotta define terms, you gotta look them up, you gotta look at more than one definition and understand what the term means and what, what it applies to. 
When you think of thug, you think of African-American men. Commit crimes. We, we uh, glorify the word thug. And some of the music and some of the movies and media portrays us as such. So when you think thugs, you think you have a group of people in mind. So when you're in a, uh, uh, in a position of authority and you know, you know it's a climate of sensitivity right now, you have to be mindful of what you say. You can't talk because you don't know. <laughs> because you grew up in a suburban neighborhood, just because you grew up in a place where it wasn't a lot of minorities and you, 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 you had some experience, some diversity at some point while you're doing this particular position that you're in, it, it might want to behoove you to take the time to educate yourself. You know, there's a difference between being stupid and being ignorant. You know what I'm saying? You are capable of, of learning. You're capable of, of being intelligent enough to take a pick up a book, ask a question, get with your people and learn about the cause you need to learn about. Because you're going to deal with diverse. As diversity becomes a big issue, whether it's in the civilian workforce or the military workforce, <clears throat> you need to be mindful as, as diversity inclusion, bringing in different colors and different backgrounds into this workforce, bringing and that's including genders and well and all these other different types of uh, categories. You got to be educated. You got to be educated on what you're saying. You got to be sensitive to what you're saying. You can't just run off at the mouth and say stuff because you feel like you can say it because you're going to offend someone. And you're going to you're going to cause problems. And as I said before, you're going to continue to continue to happen. You're going to lash out on the wrong person, say something crazy to them and they're going to lash out on you. So if you don't know what you're saying, look up the terms, take time to understand what you're talking about. Take time to ask the question. One of the things I can say is a lot of the uh, different races, whites, and, and uh, people are starting to be sympathetic to the calls. I've seen it uh, um, while I'm at, while I'm at, and we're doing stuff to promote and 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 bring a safe space to, for us to teach, educate those who are not black, <clears throat> and to uh, even those who are African American that don't know or they're unsure or they're not aware, they're also being taught. So we can understand the struggle so we can start knowing how to help heal, bring together cohesion and to maybe even help make some change. But, you know, what I'm saying that it requires education and being taken out the ego, taking out the pride, taking out the different prejudices and looking at put you in the driver's seat of African-American man being pulled by the police, put you in the driver's seat of a uh, constant uh, social economic issues such as not having a job, living in poor low-income neighborhood, not having parents, uh, dealing with crime, dealing with violence, dealing with past traumas and triggers. It's taking the time to look at those things. So, but it requires people to want to understand. If you don't want to understand, then it's going to be issues. <clears throat> Excuse me. So, that's kind of what I want to say on that real quick. I don't want to uh, take too long today, but I'm going to take my time. Um, we're going to talk about the exclusionary rule, as we said before. Matt versus Ohio. Um, this was back in uh, 1957. The case was started back then and it had to deal with um, Cleveland police entered the home of Dolry Matt. All right. And it conducted an apparent warrantless search for a bombing suspect. Although no suspect was found, officers discovered certain allegedly lewd and lascivious books and pictures in the possession of which prohibited under Ohio state law. Matt was convicted of violating the law on the basis of this evidence. Hearing the case on appeal, the Ohio Supreme Court, which is the state court, recognized the unlawfulness of the search, but upheld the conviction on the grounds that Wolf, which is also a previous case, 
before um, Wolf versus Colorado 1949 was uh, based off that, which it had established that states were not required to abide by the exclusionary rule. So that in a nutshell shows that the state court had authority in this case. And all we said before, state court and federal court are two different things. So because federal court says one thing, state court has had another. You go back to one of the videos or debates that I had, had a debate with my uh, group of friends. We had a big debate and, and a discussion on the difference between, and I let them know this difference between state court and federal court. All right, so the exclusionary rule, we found some interesting facts about that. It don't always apply. So for those, the definition of exclusionary rule, it prevents the government from using most evidence gathered in violation of the United States Constitution. Matt versus Ohio, Miranda versus Arizona were two of the uh, pivotal cases used to establish that the exclusionary rule applies to evidence gained from an unreasonable search or seizure in violation of the Fourth Amendment. The Fourth Amendment. Um, we go back to uh, go back to my amendments uh, videos where I talked about the amendments in the Fourth Amendment, and that's protection against a reasonable search and seizures. You got the Miranda versus Arizona, which established that exclusionary rule applies to improperly elicit itself from criminatory statements gathered in violation of the Fifth Amendment, and to not incriminate yourself, and to have evidence gained in situations where the government violate the defendant's Sixth Amendment right to counsel. So only time it does not apply is in civil cases. And that's a case INS versus Lopez versus Men Lopez and Mendoza. So that 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 so civil cases, the, the exclusion, exclusionary rule will not apply. So in these two pivotal cases, the police officer pulls you over, or it's like in this case, Matt versus Ohio. If they see if you go into a, a warrantless search, you didn't didn't announce you had a warrant, or you kick down the door. Um, not just based off PC, PC alone, and you find uh, um, evidence inside um, the home or the car or on person, then it's taken to court. Exclusionary rule is supposed to help upheld the defendant and ask and um, excuse me and access to getting that evidence pulled. All right, so we got to look at you know the case of Matt versus Ohio. 63 ruling on June 19, 1961. We got a justice, Tom Clark. He dismissed the argument using the Ohio law constituting infringement of freedom of speech. And then you got the um, Weeks versus the United States. You got all these different caseloads all kind of playing and it's based off of a court, a court, uh, like something where the court designed this exclusionary rule. It's not an actual constitutional right. So if I go back to, there's another article I pulled where um, Supreme Court has ruled that the states must be bound by the Fourth Amendment because the guarantees were part of the due process of law required of states by 14th Amendment. That decision essentially required the Fourth Amendment's provisions, which previously had only applied to the federal government, to apply to the states. The justice ruled that since the guarantees of Fourth Amendment applied to both the federal and state governments, they should be enforced the same way in both federal and state courts. Evidence obtained unlawfully is not admissible in federal courts, so it should not be admissible in the state's courts either. This is, this, these are what the justices of court. This is why the Supreme Court justice is so important. This is why you have to vote for them as well, because they determine how this law is applied. All right. So. The rule requires courts to exclude from criminal trials evidence that was obtained in violation of the Constitution ban on reasonable searches and arrests. Each judge, Justice Harlan, Justice Clark, uh, they they had a different opinion. 
one saying that the federal says so if the federal government applies exclusionary rule, the state government should apply exclusionary rule. Justice Harlan argued about how the rights of free thought and expression or freedom of speech ensured that it's against state's action by the 14th Amendment. Thus, he concluded that the majority had ignored the principles of judicial restraint and state stare decisis and had reached out to consider the exclusionary rule issue. This was a First Amendment case and a non-appropriate case for extending the Fourth Amendment exclusionary rule to the states. And then he also said it was wrong to impose exclusionary rule designed for a federal criminal process on the states, which in his view bore quite differently responsibilities in the law. So this is something that that you know I'm saying the difference between constitution and common sense so responding to the argument that exclusionary rule would make it possible for criminals to go free due to police error by pointing out that a criminal goes free if he must but it's a law that sets him free so the law basically these, these guys are going back and forth so I read some of that to you to kind of get you some basis ground but basically in so many words they're going back and forth in a distant opinion on how this is being applied five to three three six to three decision that the majority opinion exclusionary rule was was um, was applied and um basically to reverse the ohio's court decision so they went against the state and basically in so many words that they, they upheld the exclusionary rule for this case two different opinions freedom of speech Fourth Amendment unreasonable search and seizures. The thing with the state and, and um, federal law enforcement agencies, and when it comes to courts decisions, whether Supreme, District, Appeals, Circuit Court, all these different sides of the deal, we gotta understand that they operate differently. I was trying to explain to my friends before uh, about it, how it works is that sometimes state state uh, government or state court may apply the um, the, uh, the, the the exclusionary rule differently and depending on the language of what was said especially particularly in this case case they may dis- uh, honor the charges or dismiss them as far as this uh, the exclusionary rule honor the evidence or dismiss the exclusionary rule in this case now once appeals made to go to the federal court this is where the justice got involved justice harlan justice clark uh the other different types of justice uh supreme court justice on the court and they had to sit back and look at it and see if it actually uh the state was correct or not in this case, they overruled the uh, the state uh, Ohio state court decisions on using the um, the exclusionary rule in this particular case, even though the warrant for uh, Miss Matt was not um, accurate to the police officers doing what they're doing. They found evidence there that also was a law, a violation of the law. But you know that's what Justin Harlan was saying that it violated the um, it violated the uh, the first uh, the amendment of freedom of speech. So you gotta understand how the exclusionary rule works again, and it's another scenario which is more up to date. Where if someone pulls you over, and uh, or say let's let me make it where someone comes to your house with a vital warrant, they had PC from someone else said they may have drugs in the home, or they say they may have some type of uh, contraband in the home, whether from hearsay or through uh, the, the probable cause of officers, you know, hearing or talking about it from someone else using a CI or whatever. If a warrant isn't, if they go in without a warrant based on the PC or they try to get gain evidence, that's an example of exclusionary rule that that, that person goes to jail and gets tried in court based off charges they didn't receive in a warrant. Despite of it being a lawful arrest, 
um, we got to look at, you know, saying how evidence is admissible for court where the evidence is being challenged and the unconstitutional conduct is, is too remote and attenuated, basically meaning that it's, it's gained illegally. It, it was it what it is is to hold officers accountable on how they do their police work, their police discretion, using the warrant, going to get the warrant with the proper proper cause. You have to take it to the magistrate. You got to take it to the judge for them to see, or the lawyer, or the DA, and to see if they can bring up a warrant to search the home, bring up a warrant to go get that evidence. And that's why they're there to fact check it and make it sure that they have prop PC to go and execute a warrant, get one executed, and get the evidence uh, correct way. So the exclusionary rule was designed to, uh, it wasn't a constitutional, again, like I said before, it wasn't constitutionally installed. It was more or less uh, something the courts came up with to hold, pre pre to prevent police from using their police uh, discretion to gain evidence illegally or to extend their police power to violate rights of the Constitution for, for citizens. So th that's why, again, having a warrant in place properly with probable cause through probable cause and, and um, through the magistrate reviewing the evidence or probable probable evidence from what they get, the police officer gathered from their investigation then they can issue a warrant to arrest or to seize evidence qualified immunity so uh, we talked about it a couple of videos ago where that was something that's in congress as a debate right now i don't know if it's still debating about it or they kick it to the curb or put it on the shelf or, or not but that protects police officers so it's the, the exclusionary rule is the only thing that defendants have to make sure police officers are held accountable from presenting unreasonable searches and seizures. So we have qualified immunity that this police officer to not be sued and to get them pretty much cover them and protect them during this time when they're uh, when they're pretty much their uh, their challenge as far as what they did as far as the police matters or police actions. Even if a officer says here, even even if an officer violates a defendant's constitutional or statutory rights, qualified immunity protects the officers from a lawsuit unless no reasonable officer would believe that the officer's conduct was legit, was legal or legit. So, understand the exclusionary rule and applying it to the court case that's at hand. Understanding the rules and how Matt versus Ohio, even looking to Miranda versus Arizona, and how those things uh, are uh, showing loopholes in the context of police work, the context of the criminal justice system, and that even though you some a lot of times when evidence is gained and it's not and it's not always the correct way, does the, the, the a lot of the evidence still stands up in court and the defendant end up getting convicted. It's it's really you gotta be a fine line to know how the exclusionary rule uh, is applied and knowing that time, place, uh gain evidence, all this stuff you have to prove in order for the uh, the exclusionary rule to be applied. The officer had to really screw up to really go out there and get something illegally for this to apply to the court case. And again, you gotta know your difference between state and your federal governments. Because it's tried in state court, state has different regulations, different laws in place that it may, may uh, dismiss or actually uh, try in court for the defendant based on how the, how the process works for the court. And then the uh, defendant has to go to district appeals court and then eventually the Supreme Court to challenge the challenge to uh, challenge um, uh, to the different things that is needed. So we got to understand how this process has worked, how this process is gained. And we got to also understand that um, uh, 
that that when it goes to Supreme Court, just like Matt versus Ohio, these things are taken into account as far as them challenging what the state has done and, and, and doing an appeals court to make sure things happen. So exclusionary rule is very important and we got to really understand what's going on. We got to understand that this isn't pivotal. This is not a lot of people don't know how this stuff works. Um, the, I'm gonna talk about later too the fruit of poisonous, uh, the fruit of the poisonous tree doctrine. If evidence falls within the scope of the exclusionary rule, lay it law enforcement to other evidence, which they would not otherwise have located. Then the exclusionary rule applies to the newly discovered evidence, subject subject to a few exceptions. This is called the fruit of the poisonous tree doctrine. So this is something I'm probably going to talk about a little later. I want to go in detail and also touch back on the exclusionary rule. But that this is why a warrant is so important. This is why police investigation is so important. If you hear something from a CI or you hear something from citizens in the community or you get a PC or you get a discretion to search or think that something's inside a home, a vehicle or on person, you have to, you know, say and do your probable cause discretion. If you see something in plain view, that's a different story. But if you don't have the actual PC to be sure to that is that is actually the person who committed the crime, then that's when you take the evidence and you write up a report and you go and you do investigation to find get a ticket to get a warrant to search to seize or to arrest. The the fine line of these rights being violated are violated every single day because we're not really truly understanding what you know what I'm saying the, these these laws in this context of the Constitution is it stands for. Um, being able to do the, do the math, look at the casework, and be able to uh, really um, understand how this stuff works. And also, you know, it, it's, it's always a system system drag, I would call, I would say, because again, you're going through the state courts and they can drag their feet with this. And then, you know, they can, they can try to finagle, but then if it goes to the federal side of the house, they may be able to look at it and go in depth. So, Knowing the difference between state and lo state, local and federal governments and how they work in courts is very key because it's different um, at, at each level that you go. Ultimately, the Supreme Court can and look at it, and a lot of times they're 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 overturn case. They can overturn casework where it goes. Uh, it can go against the uh, the state courts and and get that defendant uh, the proper justice, especially if this is really happening far as in the context of like Matt versus Ohio or Miranda versus Arizona. So again, I'm gonna post it on the page. I want people to, to take a look. I, I hope I kind of uh, hit the ice, the ice tip of the iceberg. Um, again, I'm gonna do a part two. I'm gonna touch on another teaching and I'm gonna kind of rehash this a little deeper and also touch on some key points that I didn't cover um, in thorough depth. And as I talk about the fruit of poisonous tree doctrine, I'm going to kind of go back a little bit and see if I can clean up some of this stuff far as um, you know, just extra casework, seeing if I can tie it in and clear it up a little bit more as we get as we get going. But this is the basics of what the exclusionary rule is, how does it apply to the casework, and knowing if you if you get if you get uh, searched unreasonably, knowing the context of how Matt versus Ohio was laid out, Miranda versus Arizona was laid out, it can really help, you know, with the casework as far as if it's something happened to where you're searched illegally, person, vehicle, or in your home. And without a warrant, and they seize evidence that not only pertains to something else, but also pertains to the case at hand. If they didn't have a warrant, then the the fight begins to where that case, uh, the evidence can be used against you in court. The evidence can be used against you to give you um, 
can get to get you convicted or also not be used against you to give you a fighting chance to get off the case or get it dismissed. And that's ultimately up to the defendant, the lawyers, and also up to the, the counsel to really define the exclusionary rule and be able to really sort it out and apply it to the case. But that's kind of a nutshell, the exclusionary rule, again, it prevents the government from using most evidence gathered in violation of the United States Constitution. That's your Fourth Amendment, Fifth, Sixth Amendment, Fourteenth Amendment, sometimes your First Amendment. So you got to go back to the amendments videos. I'm not going to go into detail because I want to make the video extremely long, but go back to the details of the first video, a few few videos back of the amendments that I went over and explained the amendments to you, each amendment, and that'll help you understand it. And then we can bring the amendments back and you can understand the exclusionary rule and how it applies to the violation. I'm going to post the Matt versus Ohio casework on the page. I'm going to post the Miranda versus Arizona casework on the page. You can look up the link. You can Google it, read it for yourself. Um, if you got any questions or if you want to ask, add more knowledge to this, by all means, leave a comment, like it, share it. All right. So we, I'm trying to teach. I'm trying to get um, get some nuggets out there so people can have an understanding of this stuff. So I hope that it, uh, it helps um, and I hope that gets, you get something out of it. Um, other than that, check out the website, www.rebuildingcommunitrust.org. Um, I'm going to post some different things on the page as always. I'm going to go live. I'm going to do some business aspect of things. Um, a little bit more than just criminal justice. I'm going to talk. I got businesses that I wanted. I'm going to do some interviews. I'm also, don't forget about the IULs. If you're interested on building your retirement accounts, if you're interested in learning about how to make your money work for you, if you're interested in building a retirement cash value, and being able to really uh, maximize your future, set your kids up for generational wealth, and also be able to create you a, be an entrepreneur and create you a business. Leave a comment below, get with me. I got some uh, information you might wanna listen to, you might wanna look at, teaching you how to maximize your money, create index strategies, use an account that's gonna give you money, it's gonna make you money for the long term, and also be able to help your kids, have something for your kids, and have something for yourself in reference to a business building up long-term cash value so you can have money to open your business. So if you're interested in that, please leave a link below. I would gladly get with you and we can set some stuff up. All right, so thank you for tuning in. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, please leave them below. Check out the page. Also, I'm doing Inspirational Quote Wednesdays again. I know it's been a, it's been a minute before I did it, but I got some I got some good stuff coming out for this week. Um, for on SoundCloud, so I'm gonna post one of the, the newest links on my page in the devotional section. So if you want to check it out, again, that's for those who are new. The Inspirational Quote Wednesdays is to uplift, to encourage, and to give you a word that I feel like that God has given me uh, to help those in need and with difficult and through difficult times, and also to challenge you on perspective of the word as well. Uh, what you think, what you can you be challenged to able to grow and push it to the next level with your relationship with God. So I hope that helps. Uh, please tune in and thank you for tuning in. Um, please share. Be blessed.